0: You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesday mornings, or you can check us out in audio format wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation.
1: Good morning and welcome to Coffee and Clergy. I'm Pastor Doug Chinberg. I'm Pastor Scott Pitch. We're very glad to have you
0: join us back. Uh, We've been off for a few weeks, getting a bit of summer vacation in, I guess, and uh, we're back with a a new series on the topic of Christian vocation. So we hope that you uh, are are interested in this topic. We think this topic doesn't just, uh, uh, it shouldn't just be interesting, it should actually be uh, something that touches the, the very heart and soul of every Christian. So Um, We hope that you're uh, excited for this as we are, and um, we we last left off reading some scripture from the Gospel of Luke, so now we're going to step into sort of a topic discussion where we won't be reading through verse by verse by verse, but rather we'll be talking, and as we come across a point uh, that we want to discuss, we can dig into our scripture to hear what God has to say on the topic. So uh, you'll still want to have your Bibles out, ready to go. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever you uh, use to enjoy your, your time in God's Word. Um, and just a quick reminder that we post these uh, each uh, Wednesday. Uh, they're live at uh, 10 a.m. And so we we would love to have you be live with us. If you're live with us, welcome. If you're not, then, then there's your invitation to join us then. If you can't watch us live, we also... Uh, the videos are posted on our Facebook and YouTube pages, so you can find them later after the live recording. And you can also find the audio uh, format for that in podcast form, wherever you get your podcasts from, Spotify, um, Apple, any, anywhere like that. So uh, we'd love to have you join us live or uh, follow up afterward. If you have any uh, questions about anything we talk about? We always love to hear from people. Uh, we, you know, we've, I think even once or twice before in our, in our series, we've answered a question someone has asked live. So if you have something like that for us and you want to ha- have us answer a question live on, on, on the podcast, we would love to do so. Just shoot us an email, or uh, you can even type into the um, comments of the live video or the, the recorded Facebook or YouTube video a little later. So, I guess as we begin today, let's open with a prayer. Please. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, opportunity to resume our discussion uh, in Coffee and Clergy. I thank you for our listeners. I thank you for your presence with us, God. We know that this uh, discussion and the, the, all the discussions that we have during this time are blessed by your Holy Spirit so that they would be fruitful for growing the faith of those who join us. God, I thank you for uh, equipping us as your saints to do your work. As we dig into the topic of vocation, I hope that you will help us and open our eyes to see that we are serving you in everything that we say and everything that we do, uh, and that uh, Christ is being uh, made manifest through uh, our words and our actions in the midst of this world. I thank you for calling us to join you as your children
1: in this mission work. And so we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. As we talk about vocation, it's interesting that we always have to go back to the beginning mm-hmm. uh, when God first created the world. And that really is what sets the stage uh, for everything in our Christian life and even in uh, talking about our vocation. Yep, And so we can go back to, um, to Genesis chapter 1. And when God first created the world, uh, He created man and woman in His image, in His likeness. Um, and even before... Human beings fell into sin. He gave them work to do. Work. Sometimes we hear vocation. We think of our our work, uh, and and a lot of people have uh, kind of a bad idea of mm-hmm. thinking that that work is a bad thing. And it's really a very good thing. Yeah. Well, and that's sort of that sort of thing. It's good and it's bad, right,
0: at the same time. Just like everything that sin has touched, right? It, that God created. Um, you know, are humans good or bad? Well, it's a hard and you know it's a hard question to answer. It's like on the one hand, we're corrupted by sin. On the other hand, God made us in His own image. So there's a goodness and a badness to us. It's the same thing with, with a lot of things in God's creation. And work is one of them, where God made work as a holy endeavor for us to be productive, to have a purpose in life, to uh, utilize the creativity and the intelligent minds that He gave us, uh, and the you know the dexterous fingers and hands and 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 just that's what we were really kind of created for in a lot of ways was worshiping god through our daily living through our work through our
1: to utilize the word we're talking about our vocation to honor god so when god made human beings and before they fell into sin what was god's command and uh what did god ask human beings to do what work did he ask them to do? so a couple of things
0: number one was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and the other was to have dominion over it so to care for it, be good stewards of it, and have control of his creation. Um, to, and then also to, to honor and praise God at the, the wonder of it all um, and the, the power of his, his creation. That's really kind of the twofold answer to that is yeah. fill the earth up and, and work at it,
1: Do Okay. It.
0: make the world go.
1: And then with the fall into sin, uh, again, everything changed. Mm-hmm. And work which was meant to be good and enjoyable uh, was now turned into something that was hard and difficult and uh, uh, laborsome yeah and you you can use that word labor
0: in a couple of ways right that uh, for for the um for the serpent he made simple locomotion more laborsome by taking his legs away from him he made the woman have a much more difficult labor in bringing children into the world right and then he made the labor of the man much more difficult by saying that when you try and harvest food from the ground, now it won't it won't be easy for you. You'll have to work really hard yeah. to care for yourself and for your family.
1: From the sweat of our brow and it's not only the hard work that we put into it, but even as we plant and cultivate, we find there are thorns and thistles and all kinds of difficulties that, uh, again, uh, are just now a part of the world of this broken, sinful world. Yeah. And. Um, it doesn't just apply to agricultural
0: jobs either. It's like every job, you know, it's like the whole phrase: uh, "If you love what you what you do for work, you'll never work a day in your life." It's not true. Even people who love their jobs have days where they're like, you know. "This is a pain." You know, I a <laughs> this is difficult. The, you know, I got a case of the Mondays <laughs> yeah. today, or whatever. Yeah. It's like not every job is not always fun because there's there's things in work that are not enjoyable. There are human interactions, which are our struggle. There are simply, um, you know, just inertia that keeps you from doing what you want to do um, and things like that, yeah. chaos. Even
1: if, when you work with computers, they don't always do exactly mm-hmm. what you want them to do. Exactly. Um, uh, sometimes I use the phrase, sometimes computers have a mind of their own. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, um, I'm thinking at home, uh, we're having some issues right now, working with our printer, trying to get it to print. And uh, it's just, again, one of those things that in a, in a perfect world, it would work perfectly, yeah. uh, but we're not in a perfect world. Mm. And um, so, but this, this sinful nature and talking about our sinful nature, it, it, it goes beyond just making things hard. Uh, it affects our relationships, as you mentioned, but it, it primarily and foremost re- uh, affects our relationship with God. Yeah. Uh, it puts us at enmity between God, so that there's a, a hostile relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, as again, as we begin to talk about vocation, uh, we're going to start from that place of yeah. um, being uh, at enmity between between God and us. That, um, but but God has done some great things to. To make that relationship right and then to help bring us close to him so that we can enter into that vocation again with joy
0: yeah, definitely yeah and and that's sort of where we lutherans have a bit of the upper hand in the way we talk about god's grace we don't talk about it just in terms of of salvation grace like we we do obviously that's the core tenet of our faith is that the only reason we have salvation from our sins is because of what god has done but really it comes into vocation too the only reason that the work of our hands has any produce or merit at all is because God has blessed us in, in ways unmeasurable and, and not of our own accord, not of our own des- you know merit. So um, yeah, that his grace is not just a salvation thing. It's a daily living thing. It's yeah. something that we enjoy all the time.
1: And so this uh, this first session of vocation is really going to set the groundwork of what God has done mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to bring us to faith, to keep us in the faith, so that the work that he gives us um, can be um, a work that reflects God's goodness and his glory. Mm. And um, so this, again, this first lesson, um, uh, sets the groundwork and, uh, just a question, uh, have you ever found yourself in, in a difficulty where there was nothing you could do that would repair a situation? Mm. You found yourself in a broken situation, and uh, again, there was just nothing you could do.
0: Yeah. When I, I kind of went back to sort of a silly example of this, but I remember when I was about five years old, I got lost in J C Penney's. Oh. I was with my brother and my mom, and, and uh, we decided it would be funny to hide. And then we got my mom went in a direction, didn't realize we weren't with her anymore. And then we were separated in this giant, you know, for a five-year-old, the J.C. Penneys in the mall is a, might as well be an ocean, right? Yeah. So we were we were scared, we were lost, we didn't know where to go. Uh, we finally found someone. We were probably both crying. I don't really remember too well. And we went and talked to the, the person who worked for J.C. Penneys, and of course they know what to do. They're trained in what to do if a child's lost in their store. So I went and buzzed the thing. They said, "What's your mom's name?" And they said, "You know, please come to the, um, the counter, your." you know or whatever in the menswear department or whatever exactly and then my mom came she was worried sick obviously and and we got talked to about not doing that anymore and we we were like (laughs) bring it on i'm just glad to be found again i don't even care that i'm in trouble now so um so yeah that's that was sort of the the example that came into my mind is there's no there was no power or ability within myself as a five-year-old to make myself be found again I was lost, and there was nothing I could really do about it. Yeah, somebody had to step in and help me to f- be found again.
1: Yeah, I think of an illustration of when my my father was sick and had leukemia. He passed away last year, uh, but there was nothing that we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he went on hospice. Uh, he, by God's grace, again he had a strong faith, and we were happy for that. Uh, but that was one of those situations where he was sick, and uh, again, there was nothing that we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a treatment he could go through, but the treatment was very difficult. It was harsh. There was no, uh, in fact, there was a low guarantee because of his age uh, that it would be successful. Um, but again, one of those moments where we couldn't do anything, and we simply looked to God and, and placed our faith in Him. Okay. And um, and we have those situations. And, um, so, uh, you know, um, but it's interesting to see how those situations, um, progress and how they change with you. Uh, you found someone that could help you, uh, and that was good. Uh, in our case, um, we, we looked to God and trusted in him, um, to take care of my dad, um, not only at the end of his life, but also as he then went to heaven and, um, and that gives us an insight um, into God's love for us. Yeah. And so, you know, is there anything that we can say about um, about that insight that we can have as children of God and His love uh, for us as His creation and as His children?
0: Definitely. Um, in in the instance I brought up, it's like if I had the ability to f- find the person I was with in the store, I wouldn't have wor- I wouldn't have worried as much, and I wouldn't have felt is good when I finally was found at the end of the process, right? So as an adult now, if I get separated from my wife or something in the in the JCPenney, it's like, okay, not a big deal, right? It's like, oh, there she is right there. Hey, sorry about that. I was looking at the board game section or whatever. I was like, okay. But as a kid, you are lost in your loss. So to me, this sort of is more indicative of the sort of scenario we have in, in our brokenness and sin is we have no capacity or no ability whatsoever to be found Hmm. but then through god's grace when we are found it helps us be all the more appreciative of that being foundness Um, whereas if we had some ability or even thought we had some ability to merit our own being found then we might not appreciate god for his goodness to us as much as we we should Um, so i think that's one thing the other thing too is uh uh, from that from that scenario as a child, what I learned is don't go running off from your mom, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't believe I from that point on got lost in a store again. I knew to keep an eye distance or eye range. You know, there's other examples where being lost would be much worse than in JCPenney's. You know, if you get lost in like Disney World or something, or you get lost at a ballpark or something, that's much more of a severe. But there's thousands worry, of people, right? And, yeah. So I learned in that JCPenney's not to get lost. Or, you know be active in keeping myself being found you know and it, it, throughout the rest of my childhood and so that that sort of i think also provides a bit of an insight for a spiritual um, relationship with god that we don't want to tempt that getting lostness by saying oh god's got me you know he'll keep track of me whatever yes. god certainly never loses us but we can certainly lose god yes and um so we have to be vigilant and stay you know keep our head on a swivel and stay in eyesight of God yeah. um, and that's good
1: and there's all kinds of things that and, and that's the purpose of the church mm-hmm. um, uh, to keep, help keep us in contact with God Yes. Uh, whether it's worship services or Bible studies or fellowship activities or, or podcasts or podcasts yeah <laughs> absolutely um, they, they help us keep that connection with God strong yep. and, um, and that's what God wants us to realize mm-hmm. um, one that he's there always and we can never be lost from him uh, but we can lose him and um, and it's good to know that he's always there. Mm-hmm. There's a, a couple of passages that uh, we can read. The first one is from Psalm 51. And then we'll read from Romans chapter 8 sure. um, uh, that uh, remind us... Um, of some of the struggles that we have in the midst of our sin this this first psalm psalm 51 is a psalm of david after he had committed adultery with bathsheba and he recognized his lostness mm-hmm. and um, uh, the desire to uh, to be found and to be brought back into a good relationship with god
0: sure. yeah Shall i read that for you yeah yes uh, hopefully familiar words to you if not you, you can dig out your bible and find these a little later too Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me.
1: In another passage from Romans chapter 8, we'll read verses 5 through 8. This is where Paul said this. He said, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And so why is it that human beings, uh, why can't we make ourselves acceptable to God? I think
0: the simplest answer is, we can't do anything to help ourselves out because we're not just spiritually unwell, we're spiritually dead. We are buried in the ground dead. Okay. And a dead body can no more help itself than than anything else can. Like it's it's done. And so our fate is essentially sealed without if we look at our own ability to impact it. We can't make ourselves well by eating any food or exercising or taking any vitamins or anything like that spiritually speaking the only thing we can do to become well is to acknowledge that we can't do anything to say we're dead we're dead yeah um we're enemies of god we are uh as as done as done the only thing that can make us undead is the one who brings life the life bringer god himself so we need to begin with the process of saying it's not my ability to do anything at all that matters, it's his ability to do something yeah. that matters and that 's all that matters
1: yeah, I, I, I think there are sometimes people that um, say that they don't need God and and that is simply a reflection of of their deadness they don't realize yeah how dead they are that they, that they can't they, even realize it that they need God yeah. and uh, um, and so that's um, um, and that's why God has one of the reasons God has placed us in the world, and and so that also gives us. Sometimes people try to do um, things themselves. They try. Yeah, we think of self-help kind of things that um, um, uh, sometimes we refer to self-help religions. And so mm-hmm. why should we, as people of God, be skeptical of self-help religions?
0: Because since we know that there's nothing we can do whatsoever to merit any form of salvation in the eyes of God, anything that we end up trying to do is actually just a deceit of the devil to try and get us to focus inwardly rather than focus upwardly perhaps would be a way. Yeah.
1: And and that's not to say that, uh, you know, some people read self-help books. That's not to say that we can't grow uh, and learn a skill or that we can't uh, develop certain habits that are beneficial to us. Um, we're, we're simply talking about our relationship with God. We can't do anything to bring ourselves into a right relationship with God yeah. and to make us so that we become pleasing in His sight. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of a scary situation, but we also remember that God is good mm-hmm. and that He loves us and that He hasn't left us in that condition. And so that that Romans passage that I started, we're going to read a few more verses um, from Romans 8. We'll continue with verses 9 through 17. And you want to read that?
0: You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin... The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, You will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory.
1: So here we find the Spirit of Christ uh, doing a lot of work, uh, uh, changing us, transforming us from enemies into children of God. And uh, so uh, maybe let's talk a little bit more about what is the Spirit, what is the Spirit doing here in this, in this text?
0: Yeah, well... There's a lot, it's a lot to unpack here, but I think what it really comes down to is some of the things in the last line about how if we take on some of the suffering of Christ and and he is within us, then the reward of that or the transformation of that, if you want us to talk about that, is the salvation which Christ earned by his suffering. So by identifying in his suffering, we receive the reward of his suffering if he is our Lord and our God. Okay. I think... The other thing here too is to acknowledge what what took place to actually make this happen, if since we're using this this language of being enemies of God and children of God, is what really happened to make all this work, sort of mechanically if you want to call it that, or like in in, in the in the reality what God did is he took his child and he turned his child into an enemy so that his enemy could become his child. You see that kinda of like crossover fashion he took his his son Jesus and turned him into the enemy of God throwing all the sins of the world on him on the cross turned his face away from him so that he would suffer the full consequence of that sin and because of that because he turned his son into an enemy he now turns the enemies into sons
1: through the forgiveness that he won for us
0: exactly so that's sort of the 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 actual like mechanical reality that he utilized to to switch our status or transform us is that that great exchange right that that uh it's not just an exchange of sins it's also an exchange of identity to some degree Mm -hmm. now christ didn't remain the enemy of god right when he took up his life again on the third day all of a sudden he was restored to godship and lordship and all that and and uh no longer an enemy of god now now the only enemy of god is the the residual effects of sin and, and the evil one, right? And so, um,
1: yeah. It, it also reminds me of, I think, of the as we talk about the third article of the Apostles' Creed and Luther's explanation and tying that in with the fact that we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, in Luther's, yeah, Luther's explanation says we cannot by our own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ our Lord or come to him. Yep. Um, but uh, uh, the Holy Spirit um, Calls us by the gospel, um, and he, he brings us, he comes to us, he brings us to faith, he brings all the gifts of Christ to us, uh, he begins to live in us um, so that we have faith. Mm-hmm. God adopts us as his children, he gives us a forgiveness of sins, and all of those gifts are given to us yeah. uh, as we begin to have a life with Christ. Yeah, it's beautiful. And um, sort of,
0: it's sort of the infancy of this vocation topic that we're talking about, too. Is until, until this process of transformation begins, n- none of the work that you do matters. So that's why we're yeah. talking about these core Christian principles of salvation and, and transformation. Is until this stuff happens, it doesn't, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I, I think of the passage of scripture from Hebrews that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so it, it all begins, uh, even our vocation begins with this faith relationship, which we had nothing to do with on our own, but God had everything to do with. And it was by his grace and his love that he brought us into this relationship through his spirit, through the work of Christ, so that we might become his children. Yep. There's some, uh, some additional passages that we're going to look at. Uh, first of all, from uh, Titus chapter 3, and then we'll look at Romans chapter 6 um, and, and talk about what God does again to make us his children. So first of all, uh, Titus three, five and eight, I'll read that one. It says that he saved us, God saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. And this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone.
0: And then Romans 6, 1 to 14 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all these that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore bur- buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the holy the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey all its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace
1: okay so here we find God using some means to connect us to the salvation that Christ won for us um, and what's the connection um, between a believer and In Jesus Christ, and maybe we should begin with you know one of the things we talk about in the Lutheran Church, we talk about the means of grace. And so, what are the means of grace?
0: The Word and the sacraments. Okay. Two sacraments. So, uh, so the Word of God, simply meaning His His Word, His Word revealed to us through Scripture, Um, and then the the sacraments, meaning the the blessings of forgiveness of sins through common elements uh, and words, which by the Holy Spirit give it power. So, through baptism where we speak words and uh, pour water on a child to, um, cr- to put to death the old Adam and bring to life the new man within them. And then the, and, the Lord's and Supper. And
1: God, God says through that, we have the forgiveness of sins. Yep.
0: Then you're, Yeah, and, you're, and your sins are forgiven through baptism. And then likewise, we receive forgiveness of sins through uh, the Lord's Supper as well, where we have words of institution, uh, that, that give it power by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we eat common bread and common wine, drink common wine. And through that, our sins are forgiven also. Yeah.
1: And so those common elements are connected with God's word. And it's God's word then that gives us that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so God is always working by means, first of all, to win us salvation in Christ. And so are there, are there other connections as we look at these, um, uh, these two sections of scripture um, are there other connections that we can make between the Christian and with Christ?
0: I think just faith um, and the life of faith, which endures suffering uh, for the sake of the gospel. I think those are really what connect us. Um, so obviously when we talk about faith, that's come to mean a lot. It's very broad. But what we mean especially is the confidence and trust in, in what Christ has done. So it doesn't mean sort of these tangential things. I mean like the core of what faith Means that it goes back to the the Greek word uh, pisteos, which means to believe something, right? It, so it's to trust, to put your your trust and faith and belief in in Jesus Christ. Um, then you also have the uh, um, that suffering element brought up by Romans uh, chapter six that um, that we once again said if you have been uh, put to death in the, that old man through baptism, meaning if you've uh, received the baptism but also live the life of a baptized person which involves difficulty like Christ endured, then then you know you are connected to him. Yeah. You're receiving the same result for your your life of faith that he uh, received for being faithful to his father.
1: Yeah. I like the way it, it says in in Romans six that don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death, so that there's there's a connection with us and his death yeah. And then it goes on to say, um, you were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so in our baptism, we're connected with Christ, we're connected with his death. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God wants us to daily put to death our sin. Um, and he's also connected us to Christ in his new life as he rose from the dead so that we as children of God might live a new life mm-hmm. also. And that's, that's uh, a part of our daily activity. Um, uh, One of the things we, we say in the Lutheran church is remember your baptism Mm -hmm. um, because there's a daily dying and a daily rising with Christ. um, And sometimes we forget that Mm -hmm. and, and how important it is to uh, be reminded that we are connected with him, with his death and with his life. And then um, uh, another passage that, where Jesus talks about the importance of baptism is uh, when Jesus left the earth uh, right before his ascension into heaven, after his death and resurrection, uh, he shared some very important words with his disciples known as the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And that's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Yep. And um, uh, here Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, By baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And he gave them the promise, I will surely be with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so, um, (laughs) one simple question, how important was baptism from Jesus' perspective?
0: Yeah, so I think it's very central to his mission. I think he begins his ministry by walking down into the water.
1: With his 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 own own baptism. baptism.
0: How does he conclude his earthly ministry? By commanding his disciples to go and baptize. So very central, very uh, uh, pulled through the whole ministry of Christ and indeed through the whole church life of, of the church on earth. Um, baptism is core to the mission of the church and of Christians. Um, I think that you hear, hear, you hear the words that Jesus speaks here where he says this whole, this whole church age is going to begin and the whole life of a Christian is going to begin at this process of, of the putting to death of the old man and the bringing to life of the new through baptism in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's, it's, it's absolutely critical, central, uh, very, very important, so much so that he does so himself. Not, and he transforms the nature of baptism from a baptism of repentance to a baptism of not just repentance, but the forgiveness of sins and the institution of new life. And he, he extends its reach and, uh, and its potency and then gives it freely to all of his believers.
1: Yeah, and he, he places his entire name. I, I, I like the way that he said, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think of when we do baptisms here and we have a, a baptismal meeting uh, with parents, one of the things that we say is that, you know, this is where God places his name on us. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about uh, during the baptism that we we mark the child or the adult with the sign of the cross both upon their forehead and upon their heart uh, to mark them as one who 's been redeemed by Christ uh, but God is is you know God is doing all the work in baptism he he places his name on us, he forgives our sins, he marks us as his own, he adopts us as his children, um, he washes us clean and, and it's and it's something well it happens once in our life it 's meant to Um, to go on each and every day as we confess our sins and receive that new life that God gives us.
0: That's the entire reason why you see Christians do this thing. Make
1: the sign of the cross over themselves. Or
0: or why we begin our services in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. The whole thing is called an invocation, not because invocation means to start something, but because it means to call back to something. And that thing we're invoking or calling, maybe it's not calling back to something, but calling something forward to the present we're invoking something to to be here with us, and what that is is that baptism yeah. that we all had throughout our life. We're bringing the baptism from that date, that discernible date in human history when we were children or infants or adults or whatever, where we were washed. We're invoking that day and that name to bring it forward to today to say this is this is the start of what we are doing when we worship God, is we're starting with our baptismal identity,
1: yeah. who God we made say us, else. who God made us to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, before we confess our sins. We say, we're baptized child of God, and now we're sorry for what we do. Before we sing or do anything else, we, yeah. we begin with the invocation. So. Yeah.
1: And, um, so, and we not only begin the service, but we end the service, and there are times even within the service where we make the sign of the cross um, as we remember who we are and what God has done yep. uh, for us through his son. And, um, so now we're going to take a step back, um, to the book of Genesis and again, talk about, um, why God created us in this world. And we're going to read, um, Genesis chapter one, verse 28.
0: God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground.
1: So as we consider uh, the fact that we are um, born of our parents, of human beings, uh, is, there, is there a similarity between our physical existence and our new life in Christ? Are there some parallels between, between the two? So we always kind of talk
0: about what, what our, our life after the resurrection will be like. And the closest thing we can approximate it to is a return to Eden right that our bodies will be imperishable and uncorruptible that our our will and our our mindset will be totally focused on walking with God right so it's very similar language to the garden language but you see that in the garden they worked and there's a vocational aspect to it then as well and they were given that task to have to fill the earth and to have dominion over it and i think um, when the new heaven and the new earth come on the last day, and we're given our our perfect bodies, we're raised from the dead, we're we're made right with Christ for all eternity. It's going to be somewhat very similar to the to the um, to the creation to Eden, and and it will be uh, that that's really all you can say about it because the Bible doesn't give us many uh, many sort of listed out details and descriptors. It just kind of says. A couple of basic things that make us think back to the Garden of Eden.
1: Yeah, I was thinking of the parallels between physical birth and spiritual birth. And God always uses his means. So yeah. um, uh, in the same way that he uses the means of grace to bring us to faith, he also uses means to bring us into this life. And the means that he used are our parents. Yeah, that's true. Um, so in and a, and a child doesn't do anything to bring themselves into life, uh, it was an act of their parents, an act of love uh, that, that brought new life into the womb and then into the world. Um, and in the same way, God gives us new life by his grace, not because of anything that we've done, uh, but out of his love for us, he makes us his own children and, um, and heirs of his family. And uh, um, I always like to, to parallel Physical birth and, and spiritual birth and and uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of parallels that uh, uh, that can be found between those mm-hmm. as God works through His means. Um, so being put right with God, uh, it it doesn't earn us a lot of uh, favor uh, within the world. However, as children who are adopted by God, people who are children of God. Um, We belong to a very special family now, and there's a couple of other passages that talk about this uh, this special family and and the special um, uh, honors that we have to be a part of God's family. And uh, the the first one we're going to read is from 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hmm. Um, there's another passage from Romans 8, um, verses 28 through 30. Do you want to read that one? Sure thing.
0: So Romans 8:28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew he also predestined to conform to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified
1: so first of all what is uh, what makes us special to be a part of the family of God
0: uh, the inheritance okay. frankly I mean that's the best part of of it is like uh we we receive virtually everything that you could have that's of lasting worth and 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 benefit. Uh, truly good things come from our father. He's yeah. going to give them to us.
1: Yeah. I, I like in that First Peter passage, first of all, it says you're chosen. And I, I think back to grade school where you had to choose a different teams. And, and there always seemed to be one person who was left and nobody wanted to choose them. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, but God never, you know, we, we don't have that idea with God. We're, um, we're the first one chosen by him. Yeah. Um uh, Every time. And, and God wants us to know that. He, he goes on to talk about we are a, a, a royal priesthood that is royal. We are a part of his kingly family, um, uh, a priesthood. Um, again, you know, we think of priests in the Old Testament who took God's gifts and shared them with the people, who also took the concerns of the people and shared them with God. Yep. Um, uh, God has brought us into that position and relationship. We are a, a royal priesthood. Um, and then he calls us a holy nation, uh, people who are set apart for his work yeah. um, uh, to do his work of caring for the world, of having children and um, making disciples.
0: Yeah, this, this list of, uh, of things here, it's really evocative of, of the way that they talked about the Old Testament Jews, right? The people of Israel were the chosen ones, the chosen people. They were then ones from which the, the royal priesthood came from that served in the temple and, you know, the holy nation. I mean, who else is that than, than Israel or the special possession? So Peter here is, is shifting the dynamic and saying, no, that's not a cultural thing. That's a spiritual thing. And guess who it is now? It's you, yeah. reader, listener here, Christian.
1: And we also get into this idea of of election where that those God foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And so um, how does election show God's special care for us?
0: Yeah, uh, I think uh, this is tricky language sometimes. And there's actually some division in different denominations about what it means to be predestined and elected and that kind of thing. But essentially, that's going back to 1 Peter 2. You are a chosen people. So elected, chosen. I mean, who who did we choose to be our president in the nation? Well, the person who we elected, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's sort of the similar language. It's God God set out and intentionally picked you as his child. It wasn't an accident, it didn't happen as a, a circumstance of, a, you know, you're not a byproduct decision that he settled on. You're the one he found as the choicest one and chose you
1: yeah and um, and we can say that everyone who has faith uh, is one of God's elect Um, and and God had that idea before the world ever began uh, before that person was ever created Mm -hmm. Um, that was his idea that was his plan that was his purpose uh, that we would live with him uh, not only in a relationship here on Earth, but also in eternity. Yeah. And um, uh, so to, to recognize, you know, God had this this thought um, um, about how He wanted us uh, in relationship with Him for eternity um, before eternity ever began, which is uh, again one of those things we can't comprehend. Ouch, my brain. Yeah, hurts. yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a, a couple of other passages we want to we want to read. Uh, first of all, from from 1 Timothy chapter 2, and um, I'll read that. It's verses 3 and 4. It says, uh, this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then there's another passage from Ephesians. Do you want to read that
0: one? Sure thing. Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory.
1: So here again, we're talking about the the election uh, topic. Um, So does this mean that people who are not Christian, um, does that mean they have no hope? That's... If they
0: remain that way. Okay,
1: if they remain that way.
0: Uh, but no, it does not mean that. It means...
1: Or or maybe another way to say it, for us as Christians, if we know of someone who does not have faith, um, does that mean uh, there is no hope for them? It, it's a reminder, I guess, that God
0: doesn't work on the same timetables we work on. So have there been deathbed conversions? You betcha. We got one in the Bible when the thief is on the cross. Have there been... People who have faith their entire lives and and have fallen away, then yes, that's true as well. Um, are there people who step in and step out and step in and step out throughout their whole their lives? Faith absolutely? wavers up and down. So this is where we put our trust in God to to sort it all out for us. He's the one who knows the faith in the heart of all mankind. He knows those who are His and those who have rejected Him. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: and I, I, I love that, that passage uh, that talks about that, that God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's true. And so um, it reminds me that we should never give up on someone who appears to have no faith. Uh, God wants us to pray for them. God wants us to encourage them. God wants us to be, um, uh, we ask God to work through us so that we might be an example, yeah. uh, a word of encouragement for them. So it's like where I, w- I wish
0: Timothy went even further than that because I think it's true to say he doesn't just want all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He's done everything possible so that all can...
1: Everything all necessary,
0: can yeah. And um, that just shows the, the intensity to which he desires this yeah. uh, and the sorrow that he probably feels when people reject that, that gift. Yeah, um, And yet he gives it freely anyway.
1: Yeah. And, and it wasn't a cheap gift. We've talked about Christ's death on the cross. Um, uh, you know, he paid for us with his very body and blood, uh, with his sacrificial death. And, um, and so again, uh, and when Christ said on the cross, it is finished, mm-hmm. uh, every, um, every sin was paid for. And so God desires that, um, that we know that our sins have been paid for, that they can be forgiven, um, that He's there, ready to forgive them and mm-hmm. um, bring people into a relationship with Him, Definitely. and um, and then um, um, and again, uh, we celebrate that as as children of God, and um, so so God doesn't save us to set us on the shelf. No. Um, he doesn't. As soon as we're saved, he doesn't bring us to heaven. Um, so we finally get into this this topic of vocation uh, that God has work for us to do here on earth. Um, but he wants us to have the right understanding. He wants us to know that relationship that we're into, uh, and he also wants us to recognize that he's given tools to us uh, to do the work that he's that he's called us to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a couple of other passages. Um, Uh, we want to read that uh, talks about how God equips us the the first one is from Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 Uh, it says for 8 through 10 8 through 10 that 10 is yes that's right thank you Uh, it says for we are for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork uh, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works. Again, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And um, and there's another passage that that talks about some of the gifts that God gives us at the end of Ephesians in Ephesians six
0: six ten to eighteen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the hel- helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions that all kinds of prayers and requests, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the all of God's people.
1: And so, first question is is how does god equip us when he calls us to faith
0: yeah uh, well he, all that armor is the armor of god that's okay. put on us it's kind of uh it kind of brings to mind the image of Saul putting his armor on David right we we're we're ill-fitted in it except god makes it fit us the way that he yeah. desires and so it's uh all the all the preparation that we need to um To to be equipped to do it, He's already given to us. Uh, Through we we talk in church about all of the gifts that God gives when we give our our prayer around the offering, and we say it's not just money; it's all the God-given things, the skills and abilities and blessings, and the time and and the the, talents. You could even say the relationships that we have, the opportunities that we're given, the jobs that we possess, the food on our table. It's an all of it is a gift from God. And it's a gift from God given with an expectation of equipping for further and greater work. Yeah. None of it is so that we can hoard it and possess it and show off our blessings to others so that they might be envious. And to say, look how great I am. Yeah. Exactly. So it, the way that we sometimes talk about it is it's a trust or an investment from God in us so that we might multiply that. It brings to mind... Jesus' parables about his the servants who get the money and some do nothing with it, some bury it, one person invests it and increases it five times, ten times, twenty times. Depending on which parable you're reading. I mean, that that multiplying and that increasing of God's gifts in your life is a is a sign of, of faithfulness. Yeah. We we are good stewards of his gifts.
1: Yeah, so kinda to look back on our topic, first of all God equips us with faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, he equips us with his spirit. His spirit comes to us with gifts and spiritual gifts uh, that we use for God's work and for his glory. We think back um, about when God first placed Adam and Eve in the garden. And again, he created them to be fruitful and multiply, to care for the world, to subdue it, to rule over it. Yep. Um, all of those are a part of God's plan. And then because we're in a sinful world and there's some that have been... and and people have been separated from God. Uh, Jesus gave us the great commission uh, as a part of the work that we do to make disciples. Yep. And so it, it begins with faith and, but there's all kinds of gifts that God gives after that. Yep. And, um,
0: and we're gonna dig into that over the course of the next several weeks where we look into vocation is like, what are the various ways that God gives you gifts and how should you apply them into your life for the good of his
1: kingdom work and yep. for the love of your neighbor? Yeah, and a lot of those gifts have to do with the relationships that we have with other people. Yep. Yep. And uh, there is there is um, uh, two more passages of scripture. Uh, the first one is from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, beginning with verse 6, 6 through 16. Um, here St. Paul says, um, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing no we declare god's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that god has destined for our glory before time began none of the rulers of this age understood it for if they had they would have not have crucified the lord of glory however as it is written what no eye has seen what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived These things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Hmm. And uh, there's also a passage from, from Romans 12 that also talks about this changing our mind mm-hmm. and you want to read that from mm-hmm. Romans 12?
0: Yeah, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will.
1: So what is the connection between the spiritual gifts that God has given us and carrying out the will of God?
0: It's direct. It's a okay. it's a highway straight to them one from one to the other. Okay. Um you cannot discern God's will without faith okay, and you cannot do his will without being transformed into a new creation. Okay, I think that's what it really comes down to.
1: Yeah, um, we recognize that the, the spirit has been given to us so that we see with eyes of faith, we see God's will. Uh, we pray it in the Lord's prayer, may your kingdom come and your will be done. Yep. And, and we see how that takes place in the world and um, uh, God's will is again, for us to take care of the world, to have this faith relationship with him, to share the faith relationship with others and to build those relationships um, in the world that God has placed us. And and that really sets the stage for um, this whole thing called vocation. As we live out our faith uh, and live out those relationships that God has brought us into by grace, um, uh, using his gifts and following his will. Um, but if you want to hear about that you'll have to come back next time (laughs) that's right that's right all right so we we've set the stage and uh, to talk about vocation and um, again we'll get deeper into that next time Mm -hmm. so we hope that you join us Uh, so we're going to bring things to a conclusion today we can uh, close with a prayer definitely Uh, again we thank you for being with us and um, if you would bow your heads with me Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this day. We thank you uh, that by grace you have uh, brought us into a relationship with you uh, because of your Son, through the work of your Spirit, uh, through the waters of holy baptism. You have adopted us and made us your own. We ask, Lord, that you would remind us who we are and that daily we need to put to death uh, that sinful nature that tries to uh, come alive in us and... uh, Uh, put it to death, and to live out the new nature that you've given us, that nature that comes through faith. We ask, Lord, that as we live out our lives each day, uh, remind us of your presence, of your work in our lives, and the opportunities that we have around us to carry on the work that you do. Uh, Help us to see what you are doing all around us so that we can join you in that work. And so guide us this day, one day at a time. Uh, We ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. Have a great
0: day in the Lord, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to
0: the Coffee and Clergy podcast. We're glad you could join the conversation. Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can catch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesday mornings, and we post the podcast on Thursdays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.